Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Mark 4, we are concluding a series called Life in Focus. Uh, Really the whole purpose of this is really to focus on our faith a little bit more. And so, uh, you know, I don't want to recap everything. I want to encourage you to go back and listen if you haven't caught all the installments. Um, or even if you have, it's always great to hear it again. Amen? You can keep hearing and build your faith. But here's the thing. Uh, what I do want to say, we can't always control our circumstances, and we certainly can't control other people, but we can control where we put our focus. We do have control over what we focus on, and that's important because what we focus on, we feed And so if we focus on circumstances or we focus on fear, it grows as opposed to focusing on God or focusing on faith or how we operate or walk in trusting God in things. And so Mark, I love the book of Mark. Uh, All the gospels are powerful for sure. Every writer has a little bit different perspective based on who they are and their filter. All of it inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so Mark actually, when when you're talking about faith, really paints a beautiful picture. And for me, I need to see it kind of that way. I love information, I love to gather information, but Mark paints a picture which is real visual, I think that helps us see how faith operates. And he does so, again, in this particular parable that we're gonna study today. And so let's take a look. We're gonna start here in Mark 4, 26 and 29. That's kind of our foundation today, and then we'll uh, visit uh, the beginning part of Mark 4 and then over in Matthew 13 and just kinda compare and contrast some things for a better understanding. But let me start reading here in Mark 4, 26. Here's what he says, and this is Jesus speaking. Jesus said, he also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. Now that's an important point because Jesus is now talking about something they've never heard before. They haven't heard teaching on the kingdom of God. And so this is new to them. And so you can imagine believers sitting there as disciples soaking this in, if you will. Oh, the kingdom of God. He's gonna tell us what we're wanting to hear this. They're probably on the edge of their seat, super excited as he's gonna tell them what the kingdom of God is like. He goes on to say this, a man scatters seed on the ground Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel of corn. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Understand this, when God is, or Jesus is speaking on the kingdom of God, he begins to tell a story of a farmer to illustrate this. And he begins with an order. If you saw that there, first the stalk, then the kernel, then the head. God has an order concerning the way things happen in life. There's an order to how the kingdom of God operates and how our lives should operate. And when things are in kingdom or God's order, then life operates better than when they're out of God's order. Come on, how many know what that is? That's a, that just makes sense. I mean, it's true. So the things that are in order are blessed. The things that are out of order are not. They don't work like you want them or like they should. So not only, God's talking about not only what he wants to do here, but when he wants to do it. God has an order on how he wants it and when it will come to pass. And there's an order to all things. God blesses you when you're in proper order and things don't work correctly when you're out of order. Let me just use a couple of examples. I know it's a little even early for the second service today, but here's one I was thinking about order in the kingdom of God and blessing associated with it. That's why spending your money before you tithe is a bad idea. (laughs) Thank you for the few amens there. Hey, listen, listen, and if you... All right, seriously, we're gonna talk about, hey, listen, I'm just saying what the Bible says, so if you have a hard time with that, take it up with my boss, right? I mean, he wrote it, right? So you said there's an order, first fruits, 
He talks about bringing the tithe into the storehouse, the first fruits. And he talks about then the blessing that comes when things are in proper order. Can I tell you, when MBU is first, that's not God's proper order. I'm just saying, that's what the scripture says. So God blesses the things that are in order. I know it's probably a little early even for the second service to hit that right now. Okay, hey, could you move on, Pastor? Absolutely, I got another one for you. How about this one then, sex before marriage? Okay, that's out of order according to scripture. And God always intended that for marriage. All the wonderful things that come from, he didn't intend it to be before marriage and that can be destructive. And God says, I bless what's in my order in proper order and it's dangerous and destructive when you get things out of order. God has a plan and a purpose for all that. And so, okay, maybe those are tough to handle already and I hope that you'll come back next week because you'll really like this one for sure. So let me try this one. Um, And this is a really good one. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. My time with God goes a lot better when I start with thanking God for what he's already done in my life. Now, I have needs and I have wants and I have things, God, God, I want you to do this, I need you to do this, but you know what goes a whole lot better when you start by thanking him for what he's already done. I appreciate what Pastor Dave shared as the Holy Spirit prompted him this morning about what he's already done. He made a way. He's already, I don't know why, but he did it. He's faithful, amen? He made a way. Thank you, God. And then bring what you need and want to God after that, but always start with thankfulness and thanksgiving. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise first. I've got some things that I need, but first of all, I just want to thank you, God. And in fact, he said, I'm still here and I'm still breathing. And the Bible says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Amen. And so we need to keep things in order. So there's an order. Mark 4, 29. The kingdom of God is like this. He talks about an order. But let's look at verse 29 for a second. As soon as the grain is ripe, understand that there's a process to what happens here with the seed sown. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Understand that there's a timing to things. There's a timing, ripe means to mature, to be developed, to be ready. The problem is we wanna harvest things when we want it harvest, and it may not be fully developed yet. It may not be matured yet. God has a plan and a purpose and order and a timing, and when he says it's ripe, he brings the harvest in. That's his responsibility. And so there's a proper order and a proper time, but we struggle with keeping things in order and in timing. So the real focus today I want to really focus on is Mark 4, 27 and 28. I want you to hear about the farmer here from Jesus, Mark 24, 27 and 28. He says this, night and day, whether he, the farmer sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows. Listen to this next phrase, though he doesn't know how. He doesn't know how, what kind of farmer is that? It doesn't matter, he doesn't know how. He's already plowed, he's already sown, and the Bible says whether he gets up at night or gets up in the day, does whatever, that it grows, but he does not know how. You know, really, he wrote that song that we sang. He's the farmer's like, basically right, I don't know how, but he did it, (laughs) right? He wrote that song, and the farmer here, Jesus saying, the kingdom of God is like doing what you know to do and allow God to do what he does. And is that not the essence of our faith? I don't know how, but he's faithful. I don't know how, but he's able. And if you're wanting to know the how of everything, you're gonna miss out on a lot of what God has for you. The proper order is doing what you know to do, and then God always does his part. And then he goes on to say this, all by itself the soil produces grain. And then he gives the order there in the scripture that we've already read. The seed sprouts and grows, though the farmer does not know how all by itself. So maybe if I would just get out of the way sometimes and let God do his work, it would be okay. Maybe if I just do my part and focus on that and allow God to do his part, 
it would be better, right? Let God to do his work. He knows what to do, how to do, and when to do it. So let God do his work. So when you're looking at the scripture and back into Matthew 13, don't turn there, but write that down so you can go back and read it later for time's sake. We're looking at a parable of the sower. It's not the parable today, but it's related. And Matthew has, a, has an interesting uh, way that he expresses a parable here in Matthew 13. And there's a point that Jesus is making as he teaches his disciples this principle. And he basically says this. He tells his disciples in the same kind of parable. He says, the farmer sowed the seed and then the enemy sowed the weeds. So basically the serpents got up after the farmer sowed. It says the farmer sowed good seed. And then they get up the next morning or they get up and they start seeing the wheat sprout. They see at the same time weeds begin to sprout. And so the serpents go to the farmer and say, hey, now you only sowed good seed where did these weeds come from? And so the farmer says, I didn't sow that seed. The enemy sowed the weeds when we were asleep. And then they say, well, should we tear up the weeds? And then Jesus says, no, leave the weeds because we might pull up the wheat as well. Because when it's very new, you don't know which is which at times. And so when the harvest comes, we'll separate them. What was Jesus saying? He basically said it this way. He said the weeds or the tares and the wheat grow together. Here's what you and I need to know, that when we sow seed, the enemy at the same time is going to sow weeds at the same time and try and distract or derail our life. He doesn't want us walking in the things of God, but God says they grow together. And so Jesus said in this principle, he said, hey, don't worry about pulling up the weeds right now because you might pull up the wrong thing. He says, basically, he says, let the weeds and the seed grow and the wheat grow together because I can use both to grow you. Because in the weeds, he says, leave the weeds in there because I'll use the weeds that the enemy has sown to build your faith. I'll use the weeds to stretch you a little bit. I'll use the weeds so you trust me more. And then I'll use the wheat to provide for you. I'll use the wheat to be your provision. I'll use the wheat to be your sustenance for life. He says, I can use both. Let me do my work. Let me do my job. You just do what you know to do. He goes, we'll separate it all at the end, but they grow together. And yes, when you step out in the things of God and when you sow seed for the first time or when you're sowing seed for your family or for your marriage or your finances, the enemy's gonna sow weeds. But God will use both if you allow him to do his work. You got to trust him. Let God do his work. Here's the thing. So here's the thing. And I hear this all the time. It's like, well, how come my life is like the enemy's all over up in my life? It just seems like, man, they're not fighting and wrestling with anything. Maybe they're not sowing anything. If you're not sowing any wheat, the enemy's not sowing any weeds. Why? You're not a threat to him. But then some of us will say, well, good, I want him off my back. Can I tell you, he's defeated? And you want the blessing of God, don't you? (laughs) So it's a lot better going and sowing that wheat and trusting God to grow you with the wheat and the weeds, amen? Because God is a faithful God. Just let him do his work. Don't miss out on what he has. Talking about faith here, let God do his work. And Jesus was saying the wheat and the weeds, they grow together. But you need to let God do his work. And so he talks about that. And God will use both in our life. And so really the parable is more, honestly, it talks about the parable of the sower, but it's more about really kind of about the soil. And in fact, when you read and go back and, and read the first part of Mark, we looked in verse 26 to 29, but start in the first part of Mark 4, rather, Mark 4, and you'll see the same parable about the farmer or the sower sowing seed. And so when you read the beginning of this, it talks about the seed being sown. You know, God's always, God's always speaking to us. God's always imparting things to us. We just need to listen to him. And so really this parable is more about the soil, the soil of our heart. 
So Mark shares this. He says, when the seed is sown, some seed falls on the path. And it says, when it falls on the path, there's no soil there. So the birds come and they snatch it up. They take it away. Some seed fell on rocky places where there's not much soil or it's very shallow. And so it grew too fast. The sun scorched it because it didn't have any roots to sustain it. And then since some fell, you can read that in chapter four, verse one, some fell among thorns and they got choked out because of the cares or worries of this world, or they got strangled. I like to say it this way. So if you're not doing what you need to be doing, you'll have your seed snatched, scorched, or strangled. (laughs) But listen to what he says then. He talks about this. He says, but then some seed was sown on good ground. And he said that it was accepted. It was sown and accepted into the soil. And that means accepting it means that you chose to do something with it. You believed it to be true. And then he said, then that was accepted or which you did something with or which you acted on because you're believing it and accepting it. It produced a harvest of 30, 60, some 100 times what was sown. Come on, how many know that's a good thing? Amen. So understand this, that when that happens, there is something that you're doing. You're doing your part. Those that hear the word, accept it, produce a crop 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. The difference is what you do with your seed. So the truth is a lot of us have become professional seed collectors. Went to the feed store, got a bag of seeds right here. The problem is the life for many of us, because we don't understand this principle, is we just walk around collecting as much seed as we can. And we think the answer to our problem in life is going and collecting more seed, when really the answer to our challenges in life is planting the seed you already have. Because we'll walk around and just get a bigger, bigger seed bag, get a bigger seed bag. And here's what I was thinking when I was doing this. In fact, I heard somebody say this one day. It would be sad if we're in heaven one day and all of a sudden God opens up the, the, the picture of life and he shows us all the seed that we sat on. I mean, I'm looking forward. I'm hoping I got some, some rewards here, but I don't even want to see the big old huge seed bag sitting over there because I held on to it, because I sat on it. I didn't do anything with it. So the difference is what you do with your seed. And see, here's the thing. We know how to highlight our Bibles and fill our notebooks and get the live notes with all the information. But without application, the seed only represents unused potential. And, and, and God said, don't just be a hearer of the word, do what it says, be a doer. See, listen to this. You're not blessed by the word you hear, but by the word you do. And you don't even know how it has to work. You just need to know to do it. And the farmer says, I got up and I plowed the ground and I planted my seed and I, and I, I watered it. But listen, and God says, and I got it from there. Let me do my work, but get your seed in the ground. He's saying, you do your part, I'll do my part. It seems like we walk around thinking our answer is just knowing more. The truth is probably we know enough. We're just not doing anything with what we know. I I just, I was thinking, pondering this. Why is it that we think knowing more is growing more? (laughs) Why do we think that? And so we'll go here and we'll go there and we'll go to this. We'll do this podcast and all those things are good. But if you're not doing anything with it, what are you doing? But just filling your seat bag. 
And I'm just going to go ahead, because Resurrection Sunday's next week, and we'll celebrate. I'm just going to keep going right here. Hey, listen, here's the deal. That's why we don't, some people, why don't you have a Wednesday night service? Because all we're doing is gathering more and more and more seed and information. What is the accountability to actually put it in the ground? Where do we have people help us out when it's, times are tough? And how do we know that what we're supposed to do with it? If there's no accountability, we're just gathering information. We need to sow our seed. We need to do what God is asking us to do. And then we trust him with what we don't know. That's why we canceled Wednesday night to emphasize small groups where we can be accountable to each other with the information we've already heard. We go and do other things and fill fill our seed bags more and it makes us kind of feel good for a moment, but it doesn't work out any of the things that we need worked out. Let me say it this way because I heard this illustration and I love it. I thought I knew a lot about marriage until I got married. I got married at 29, so I was in ministry for a while, and I had, you know, my, my job, I had to work around that kind of things, and I was trying to study and learn about marriage for my own good, and then, you know, to bring some encouragement to other people, and I thought, man, I'm doing pretty good at this. I'm going to be good marriage. I'm going to be a good husband and stuff, and then I got married, and then I realized I didn't know anything about that, but I thought I did. I thought I knew a lot. And then, and then, and then come kids. And, and I was, I started ministry here in the junior high ministry. And so I'm, I'm ministering to kids, but I'm also talking to parents on how they should raise their kids. And come on, how many of you guys know when you're at a restaurant, you know exactly how to raise that crying kid at the table across the way, right? Now, when I have kids, you know what they need to do? <laughs> and guess what? All that changed when God brought me my own little blessings, <laughs> all right? It's like, I don't know anything. In fact, I am, I pray almost every day for those junior high parents that I was telling how to raise their kids. And didn't know anything. And then, and then came this one. Here's this one. I, I thought, man, I would write a great book on marriage before I got married. I'd write a great book on parenting before I got, had kids. I'd write a great book on being a pastor before I became a pastor. And then you came along and ruined all my ideas. <laughs> See, I thought I knew a lot of stuff. See, I was on staff 15 years after two years of Bible school before I came a senior pastor. My dad started this church at 13. From 13 on, I've been in this church. I don't think you could be closer to being a senior pastor than I was, and then I became one. And everything I knew was like, what in the world has just happened? See, we're living off what we know, but it doesn't matter unless we do something with it and get it in the grounds for God to work with. We just keep gathering more and more and more information. It's not how it works. It does not work that way. And so I, I'm amazed at how many people, and don't take offense at this, but I'm amazed at how many people know how to be married and aren't, <laughs> know how to be good parents and don't have kids, and how to pastor and aren't. I'm just going to say it out there, right? Just, I will, and you know why I can say that? Because I was that guy. But Jesus, look at Jesus says about the farmer, verse 27. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how Mark 4, 27, though he does not know how. The farmer experiences the growth of the seed, even though, even though the farmer experiences the growth of the seed, even though he does not know how. He experiences the maturity, the full development of the seed, even though he does not know how. I don't know how, but he did it. I don't know how, but he's faithful. And so the scripture says the kingdom is life is like Jesus says the kingdom of God is like, he didn't say, listen, he didn't say it was like Jerusalem. He he didn't say it was like, um, uh, he didn't say it was like the garden of Eden. He didn't say the kingdom of God is like Wakanda. (laughs) He didn't say the kingdom of God is like Disneyland. 
He didn't. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a seed. The farmer sows the seed. The farmer says the seed is growing, but I can't see it. I can't hear it. I can't feel it. I don't know how, but it's growing. And when we talk about growing in your relationship with God, sometimes the fact that you don't feel like you're growing is the very sign that you are. I can't see anything. I can't feel it. But isn't that the, isn't that the nature of faith? We're not moved by what we see, feel, or hear, but by every word of God. And if we do our part and keep things in proper order, God does his part. Let God do his job, but do yours. And so sometimes if we don't have the goosebumps, and sometimes if we're not falling out or running around, it doesn't mean that nothing's happening. It doesn't mean that nothing's happening. Sometimes the greatest growth growth is not going to be on the surface, but what's underneath. See, God wants to do a deeper work. Amen? He wants you to have deep roots. See, the tree can only be as strong as its root system. It only bears roots as healthy, I mean, it only bears fruit as healthy as its roots are, and you can't see those. A building that's tall and beautiful and amazing is only as strong as its foundation. God's more interested in doing a deeper work in you that you cannot see. But let God do his work. Do your part. I don't know how, but he's able. And Jesus said the kingdom is like a seed. And I, again, like I said, I went to the feed store and got them. And I don't know if you can even see this that far away, but it's a pumpkin seed. But it seems small. That's our promise. Really, seriously, from that? It seems insignificant. Come on, can anything happen in that? I need to see something more. I need to see something better. And it grows in stages. And much of that, you can't even see it. And at times, you won't even know how. And like the farmer who puts the seed in the ground and doesn't know how, or when he'll see it again. Sure, he can plow the ground. Sure, he can put the seed in there. Sure, he can water it. Sure, we have a part to play in our relationship with God. But when it comes to our faith, and when it comes to experiencing what God has for us, if we're honest, we like the farmer would have to step back and say, I don't know how. Can I tell you how many times is my job, my position, I sit across from somebody or I get a phone call, something tragic happened, and I'm just like, God has a way. I don't know how. I don't have an answer for that. And that's not like a failure. It's like true. I don't know how, but he's able. I don't know how you're going to overcome that, but he's able. I don't know how he's going to turn it around, but he's able. And we're just going to trust him with what we cannot see. You know, when God picked the disciples to follow Jesus and told Jesus who to pick, who did he pick? He didn't pick religious professionals. Religious scholars, people that had it all together, leaders of the community. He didn't didn't do that, did he? Well, if it was this person or this person, maybe. No, he didn't. Who who did God pick to carry his son when he was ready for his son to come to the earth to be the Savior? Who did he pick? He picked a teenage girl. And what's the first thing that teenage girl Mary said when the angel said, you're going to bear this child? And And the first thing she said was what? How? And when he looked at his disciples and said, come follow me, you're going to be fisher of men. What did they say? How? And when he wanted to feed 5,000 people and told his disciples, hey, we need to feed these 5,000 people, what they say? How? You don't have to know how. Let God do his job. Let God do his work. Amen. Sometimes saying, I don't know how, is one of the greatest spiritual things you can say. In fact, it's the starting point of your faith. It's good when you get to that point. I don't know how, but he's able. I don't know why, but he'll do it. I don't know how, but he's faithful. It's the starting point of your growth. I don't know how. I don't know how to be married. 
I read the books. I went to the classes. I even read the book and know her love languages. (laughs) I don't know how to raise kids, but I've read all the books. I've done all the classes. I I didn't know how to pastor, but 15 years old, I didn't know how, I don't know that thing. I don't know how the farmer doesn't know how to make the seed grow. And Jesus says, growth is like that. There's a part that you will play and there's a part that you'll know what to do. You sow, you water, you plow, but you don't have to know how. And God is looking for people that don't know how. We think he's looking for someone that has it all together, someone that had an advantage, somebody that didn't come from a dysfunctional family, somebody that seems like they're smart and have money. We think he's looking for perfect people, religious people. We think he's looking for successful people or theologians, and that's all wrong. He's looking for fishermen like Peter. He's looking for tax collectors like Matthew. He's looking for prostitutes like Rahab. He's looking for someone that says, I don't know how, but you're able. I don't know how, but you'll do it. You know, uh, the other day, my wife and I were going somewhere and, uh, and we, uh, last year we bought a, a car and it's nice, really nice. And I still have yet to figure out the, a lot of things in there. And I don't know how it was interesting to me. They gave us these little key fobs. I don't know how I've just got to have it somewhere in the proximity of the car and I can push a button in my car and it starts. I still get in that car sometimes and try and jam that thing into the steering column thinking I can, there's a key somewhere in here. I I forget about it. And then we're driving down the road. And if you're just not paying attention and maybe you're, you're drifting to the line, when you get to the line and stuff, it'll auto-correct, right? It'll almost like take the steering wheel out of your hands, auto-correct. Hey, listen, I don't know how that works, but it got me here. I don't know. And listen, the guys did not want me helping change oil in the ladies' cars. I'm telling you that right. I don't know how that works, but listen, it gets me around. I don't know how. Why is it that we have to know how all the time? The essence of faith is trusting God to do his work when you do your work. But I don't know how, but he's faithful. The farmer didn't know how, but a crop came, a harvest came. I don't know how, but I don't have to understand it. But it didn't stop me from getting here. Maybe there's someone here today that you're in a situation that you don't know how. You don't know how this is going to work out. You've never faced it before. You've never had a diagnosis like that. You've never had a a conflict like that in a marriage. You've never had a, a, a child act that way. You've never had to deal with it before. You've never been trained for this. Nobody taught me. Nobody told me how to do this. I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. I can't figure this out. And God says from heaven, you don't have to know how when you know who. You don't have to know how when you know who. And he's the Lord of the harvest. I don't have to know. I just have to sow. I don't have to know. I just have to sow. Don't let what you don't know keep you from sowing. The farmer didn't know how it was going to happen, but he knew what to do. He's got to keep sowing. I got to keep going to bed. I got to keep getting up in the morning. I got to show up. I got to be there. I can't leave. I don't know how he's going to fix it. I don't know how he's going to restore it, but I got to be there. I got to show up every day. I don't know how, but let God do his work. The kingdom of God is like a man who sows. He did sow. There's a part that you play. But once you do what you know, let God do his work. Because here's the reality. You can't make it rain. You can't make the sun shine. You can't control the rate of growth of the seed. So let God do his work. And so many of us are waiting. So many of us are wanting to know before we sow. And it's out of order. If you want to know before you sow, it's out of order. You plow. You plant. God does the rest. So if you 
want to wait till you know you'll never sow, to be honest with you, because enough it'll make sense. Because his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are greater than our thoughts. So there's a cooperation, a cooperation between you and God that is an expression of your faith. I can plow, I can sow, I can water, but only God can cause it to grow. We have a tendency to want to do either all the way. I either want to be able to do it all myself or I want God to do it all himself and he didn't set it up that way. He didn't set it up that way. He said, we're doing it together. You do your part, he does his part. In the passage, a farmer scatters seeds. The soil produces the grain. Don't let what you don't know stop you from sowing. Here we are on Palm Sunday, Sunday before Easter. Remember when Jesus said, this is the kingdom of God and his principle is, it is the essence of faith, but it is how God operates. And so even as we look ahead to next week, Jesus understood this principle as he's painting this picture for us. It's greater really than just that moment as he's trying to teach us faith there and Mark through the farming principle, the parable, the picture that Jesus is painting hasn't happened yet, but it really is the kingdom of God. And everyone, understand everyone around Jesus, his disciples, those closest to us tried to keep him from going to the cross. Everyone tried to keep him from being sown in the ground. You get the picture, right? The kingdom of God is like everyone closest to him. His disciples tried to keep him from going to the cross and he was falsely accused and Pilate was there and and he was silent in front of Pilate. He was innocent, a lamb to the slaughter, but he never said a word. He kept silent and everyone around him did not want him to go to the cross, but Jesus knew God had a purpose to fulfill. Jesus knew God had a work to do and wanted to do. He could have called angels down, the Bible says, a legion to rescue him uh, off the cross, but he didn't. He did not resist. Why? Because he knew the kingdom of God operates this way. Jesus knew God has a plan. He knew the innocent would take the punishment of the guilty so the guilty could go free, and so he took it. Jesus was not buried on Friday. He was planted. God had a plan. Jesus was planted. He was the firstborn, the first fruit, the first seed of God, and he was planted in the ground. And the great thing about that, it wasn't a funeral. It was a planting. And when there's a planting, there's always the promise of a harvest. And so he planted his son in the ground, knowing in three days there was going to be a harvest for all of mankind for all eternity. See, Jesus is talking about this is the kingdom of God that we need to do our part. We have to sow and then we let God do his work. See, Jesus was planted on the ground so God could do his work and create a way that all of us could stand before a holy God. And harvest came, because harvest comes because God does his work. So anyone who's ever been hurt, rejected, neglected, disappointed, or feel like a failure, I wanna say this morning, let God do his work. Let God do his work. This is what the kingdom of God is like. This is, there is nothing man can do to you that God cannot use for his good. Romans eight twenty eight says this, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. It doesn't matter if you're sowing weeds, or wheats and the enemy sowing weeds who have been called. Now here's the key phrase, who've been called according to his purpose. Notice the emphasis is not on all things that God does good for those who love him. Notice the emphasis is on those who are called according to his purpose. For you and I, children of God, he'll take the wheat and sustain you and provide for you and bless you and resource you and he'll take the weeds to stretch you and grow you. He can take it all, but you've got to do your part. 
And then you let God do his work. I don't have to know, I just have to sow. See, some of us are stuck because we feel we have to know. And that's why it's good to read a story where the farmer didn't even know how, but God still brought a harvest. I don't know how, but I know who. So here's what I'm gonna say. Don't get confused here, don't get confused here between your job and God's job. See, obedience is the job of the farmer. Obedience is your job. Outcome is God's job. Let God do his work. If you've got a situation in your life, you don't have to know how, you just need to know who. See, and I love that song. I don't know how, but you did it. That's the song of the farmer. I don't know how, but you did it. I don't know why, but I'm grateful. He'll make a way. When your back's against the wall, and you look and it looks like it's over, he'll make a way. I don't know why, but I'm grateful. I don't know how, but he did it. Let's all stand to our feet. Let's just take a moment right here and just acknowledge God. And let's just pour our heart out right now to him. And let's lift our voices and let's just declare this over our lives. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.